Amen. God's Word. We come to a section in Colossians. Uh, Paul has spent some time describing Jesus and how awesome Jesus is and encouraging the people in, in Colossia to live for Jesus. And now he gets real practical about putting off the old self and putting on the new. And last week, Adam got to preach about putting off the old self. Put on, then, Paul says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put on, then. He says, then, since you've taken off the old, I've got some good news. There's some things you can put on. We're not just left alone. Um, if you've ever been uh, like my son, sometimes he just takes his pants off in, the, in, the, in public and just goes somewhere to do a wee if he's really busting. He just takes it all off. And we're like, no, put it back on. That's not appropriate. You can't be left just like that. You need to put your pants back on, Levi. And so this is our opportunity to put on something that's much better than what we took off. Something that's much more um, like Jesus, but something that's just way better, way much, much, much better. And this is what Paul begins to describe. And so... First thing about putting on is you notice like there's, a mo- there's something has to happen, right? You're involved in doing it. If you got dressed this morning, um, you were involved in it, I hope, um, unless you're one years old. But I've got this jacket here, and I wonder if we need a very handsome volunteer. Maybe, maybe Tom, Tom T-Rex, come. <laughs> Tom's from England, and they won last night, well done. Tom, why don't you just, so this is Tom, he looks good, right? Looks good, right? Looking good. Why don't you just take a moment, sit down there and dress yourself in that jacket. Sit down and grab a jacket. Well, not the shirt, mate. Oh, there you go. Stand up, just show the people what you're doing. Oh, looking, looking much better, right? That's, you can have that jacket, Tom. That's your jacket. Bless you. Actually, you can't. My wife gave that to me. You can wear it. You can wear. You can wear it for the service. It's quite hot. You can take it off. Yeah. <laughs> the act of putting on, Tom has to engage in it. Right? He's not. Nothing, he's not doing nothing. And also, it takes a few moments. Takes a pause uh, and to sit down and think about what you're doing. You know, blokes get dressed fairly quickly in the morning. I sort of get up put on my outfits in about, in about two minutes, and it normally gets annoyed. Is that it? Is that what you're doing this morning? This is all I got. Uh, and out the door. Whereas ladies tend to, you know, the more you want to be beautiful and adorned, the longer it takes. Come on. That's true. Uh, my wife is a wedding photographer, and if you've ever heard of the bridal preparations, you know, that, can, that can take some time. And so the, lo- the more beautiful you want to look, the, the longer you take to prepare, the more little crowns and what beads and all sorts of things. I'll move on because I'm I'm out of my depth very quickly. But it takes a long time to adorn yourself more more and more. Whereas, uh, you know, if you you saw me walking out the door in the morning, he's not that well adorned. I think I've seen that outfit before. Um, He's just slapped something on. The point is, we're involved when we put on the new. We're involved when we put on the new. It takes time. It takes a bit of consideration. How am I going to put what 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 goes with these pants? Oh, the same the same shirt I wore yesterday. But if you want to adorn yourself, you have to think think a bit more, consider more. The more beautifully you want to be adorned, the more time it takes, the more preparation it takes. Like brides and grooms, grooms are the opposite, right? You go to the grooms preps and they're still sitting around in their underpants. 
And then like 10 minutes before the wedding, like, should we put some clothes on? Yeah, okay, great. And then off they go. Grooms are hopelessly unprepared. I know for me, I was supposed to have a haircut the week of my wedding. And eventually on the last day, I, I was walking through the mall and there was a setup in the middle of the mall where people were giving out haircuts for five bucks. I thought, this is a great deal. I'll tell you, what I didn't know was all the apprentices who were learning to cut hair. <laughs> so I was very under, I was quickly underprepared, you know, very slapdash, very quick. And wasn't, my, my hair was not adorned properly for the, for the occasion. But Paul says, uh, I want you to put on, I want you to get involved in this putting on something new. And then he says, the, the manner in which this happens, he says, because as you are God's chosen people, you are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. He says, put on, do this act of putting on because you are God's, because God has adopted you, God has chosen you, you are welcomed into his family, and you are holy and beloved. Isn't that amazing? Holy? Really? Am I holy? Am I really holy? Well, the answer is yes, because of Jesus. Because Jesus has made me right before God. I, I, I can walk up to God and know Him. He is my Father. I'm adopted into His family. I am right before God. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. So Paul's saying the context for all this, put, this putting on is because you are chosen and loved and holy before God. You are beloved. God loves you, and you're welcome into his presence. And that's the beginning point. Don't try to put on every, all the stuff if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't known the love of the Father. Don't try to perform to impress him. First know that you are beloved, chosen, and adopted in him. So Paul starts it this way. He says this, all this putting on activity starts first by a knowledge and a knowing that we are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And so Paul's taken sort of two or three chapters actually to unpack that, all that doctrine of how we're chosen and loved and all because of Jesus. And so we're kind of picking up this morning's sermon in this section where he's teaching us to put on. And he begins to describe all the things that we might put on. He says, because of this, you can put on this new life in Jesus, this new life in Jesus. And he talks about some of the things it might look like. He says, when you put on these new things, it's, com- it's a compassionate heart. A compassionate heart. You know, in the, in, in the Gospels, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Talking about an encounter where Jesus met someone and he said he looked at them and loved them. I've always puzzled about that. How do you look at someone and love them? Not say anything, not do anything. Just this love was emanating from Jesus that the writer wrote down. When he looked at him, he loved him. Jesus had great compassion for people wasn't an external, necessarily just a word or something he did, but actually from who he was, he was a, there was compassion flowing towards people. And so Paul says, this is how Jesus is, and this is what the new life begins to look like. Compassion actually comes out of us, not as just words and deeds, but actually on the inside, we have this heart that loves people. And so Paul says, this is part of the new life that we get to put on. It's a care for others. It's a kindness. He says, put on kindness which is a valuing others, a tenderness towards others. We can put it on. You know, Tom grabbed that, chucked out his kindness. Sometimes we don't have these things on, right? You ever been there? <laughs> ever been walking around with no kindness? Just me. Oh, two of us. Great. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but Paul invites us, he says, take on what Jesus is. Take on this kindness in our own hearts. Humility. 
others before ourselves. Humility, he describes, or Paul describes Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, and he says, Jesus emptied himself, didn't consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself and made himself in human form, became a man. Jesus, who was perfect, emptied himself. Have you ever thought about that? I find it hard to empty myself of all my pride, my unkindness. <laughs> like, ah, oh, I don't want to let go of all that horrible stuff that's in me. And yet Jesus, in the perfection of God, emptied himself of all that. And he would be the one person who had a reason not to empty himself, right? <laughs> and Jesus emptied himself of all that. Why? To love us, to be kind towards us. He humbled himself. Jesus emptied himself of his deity so that we could empty, empty ourselves of our brokenness and become more like him. This is so cool that Paul's giving us a taste of the good life, of the real good life. Meekness is to hear and honor others first above ourselves. Patience is to trust that God is good and that his ways are best and that he is able to work out his purposes better than we are. I think we have such a culture with no patience, you know, a culture with, I need to make all of this happen now. It's just a lack of trust in the character and nature of God. And Paul says, put on patience, learn to trust God. And we have a great privilege in partnering in this. And so Paul says, put on, take time to think about it. In the morning, when you wake up, uh, you can be caught without all these, these things on. You can be caught without patience, without kindness. And we just have a wonderful opportunity to, to try and stop. As I was preparing to preach this this week, I had so many opportunities <laughs> where patience and kindness was required. And, of course, I failed miserably <laughs> um, a few times. And that's, that's okay. But uh, as I was preparing, I was just kind of realizing I have these moments where actually I'm impatient, unkind, and I can, I can pause and sort of step aside, take a few moments, and then put on again. I want to put on kindness and patience and circle back around and come back into the context, back into the situation with new clothes, a different person, different, different. Just different. You know, one, I know many years ago, a pastor who was counseling a marriage that was in trouble, really struggling. And the husband and wife had been fighting over, over many things, many years, and they came for counsel. And, and kind of the, the one counsel that um, he shared with them, or with the husband, he said, You need to find Jesus and actually become a different person. <laughs> so that in your house, your wife no, doesn't recognize you. You, you actually are transformed, that you are, because what you've been doing for the last 10 years obviously isn't working, right? It's leading to more and more brokenness, which is what, what all those things lead to. And so he said, I, I want you to find Jesus and become a different person. I thought, wow, that is amazing. You need Jesus to do that. We need to find Jesus to help us do that. That is where life will come from, is when we are transformed to become more like Jesus. And so Paul is encouraging us, don't sit by the sides and keep wearing the old clothes, which Adam spoke about last week, but take time when you struggle, when you drop the ball like I did this week, take time to try and step aside and go, Jesus, I want to be different. I want to come back into this, a new person because I have the Holy Spirit, because I'm able to put on the new self. Isn't it wonderful? It's so exciting, actually. It's actually amazing. You know, um, we do play a part in it, 
we can stop and take ourselves out. Several times a week, like I said, I've, I've had to do this and come back. It's like um, I work in, in uh, build, the building industry, and sometimes I'll get phone calls from our various trades, and they're phoning me. We're, we're doing a construction. Let's say the plumber calls, and he goes, hey, I've got this plumbing problem. It's like the pipes are coming here, and I don't know how to get them there, and this thing's broken off, and uh, I don't know where to get this from. And it's, he asking me all these questions, and I'm not a plumber, just in case you thought I was. Well, kind of my awkward response usually is, it sounds like a job for a plumber. I have a few plumbers, I can give you their number. <laughs> I never say it like that. But the point is, he's asking someone else to, to fix all the work that he needs, that he needs to get involved in. You know, that he's been contracted to do this work. And obviously, this isn't a business sense. But I think sometimes in our own lives, we can have this sense of like, everything's, everything's you know, all this unkindness and unselfishness, it's all happening, but it's, you know, I need to phone someone to tell them that they can come in and do something. No, Paul says, you get involved. Begin to put on. Um, you can phone the project manager, but he might say, it sounds like a job for the plumber. It sounds like a job for you. <laughs> I can't, we can't put that on for you. We can't, we can't put on patience for you. Only you alone can be patient for yourself. Only you alone can be kind to those around you. Um, this sounds like a job for the plumber. Praise God, we're all plumbers. Verse 13, just have a look down. Paul says... Bear with one another, bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as God has forgiven you. So Paul gives two descriptions. He says, one, it's your great privilege to join in with this putting on of the new self that the Holy Spirit makes available. But then he says, the second job is to bear with one another. And so Paul's giving us two jobs. So I need another volunteer, Regan. <laughs> Regan. So the Bible says, bear with one another, not dress one another. Yeah? <laughs> Have a seat, Rex, please. <laughs> He's nervous. The Bible says, you know, dress yourself. <laughs> Put your own big boy pants on. But it says with others, we are to bear with them. And so sometimes we can hear a text like this. Oh, yeah, God says, you know, be patient, be kind, be put on meekness, put on... Put it on humility, and um, I'm going to just, you know, this is not true of Regan, but I'll say, oh, you know what, Regan, Regan, that bloke, he needs a lot of kindness. Look, look how unkind he is. This is great. God's, God's got a T-shirt called kindness, and uh, I'm going to dress Regan in it, all right? So this is, this is what we do. In order to cover Regan with kindness, I will dress him. Riggs is a very common. So does the Bible, when it says put on, who's Paul talking to when he says put on these new things? To us personally, individual, individually. Sorry, Riggs, you okay? The beard, your beard scratched my hand. It's very sore. <laughs> you can have that shirt. <laughs> when we, our job is to, your job is to put on the new self, not to put it on somebody else. Your job is to bear with others. Paul says bear with others. Forgive them as God forgave you. 
I think sometimes we can be so excited to put on clothes to other people, you know? Oh, they ought to be, they ought to wear this. And then in complete unkindness, we shove it over their head. We shove the kindness over their head so that they can be kind. <laughs> Slippery slope, right? Bear with one another, Paul says. Zaya sometimes says to me after he's had a shower, he says, Dad, can you get me dressed? He's uh, four years old. Still cute. I can dress you, Zaya. Sure, of course. You know, it's my job. When he's 18, that's not going to happen anymore, right? <laughs> Dad, can you get me dressed? No. Get yourself dressed, mate. <laughs> that's right. So as we mature in Christ... Sometimes, we, of course, we need help, and, 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 and uh, people can help us in these things. I think Anna's, some of Anna's testimony this morning showed that. But our primary, our primary job is not to dress others. Babies, maybe. People who have just met Jesus need, and are trying to learn things, we can help them out. But when, when you're 18, it's just awkward, right? <laughs> when Zai's 18, I won't be dressing him anymore. And this is how, this is how we, we kind of respond in this, in this text. One you put on the new self, and two, bear with others in great love. He says, actually, he says, bear with others in the same way Jesus bore with you. Forgive each other just as the Lord forgave you. His, God's forgiveness for us was complete, free, and unconditional. Jesus forgave us completely, freely with no charge, and unconditionally. That's the man. That's our job too. Job one is to dress ourselves. Job two is to be kind and love people and forgive people in that way. And above all things, Paul says, verse 14, above all of these then, I want you to put on love. Put on love. Above all, put on love. For love binds everything together in perfect harmony. So beautiful. Love is the best thing to put on. In fact, it encompasses all these things. You know, the new life is just way better than the old life that Adam preached about last week. Adam was helping us get off the old. You know, the new life is way, way better. You know, that having a compassionate heart, if, if you're able to put that on, is completely way better than to having an indifferent heart. Compassionate heart is where you uh, actually feel something and care for people. Indifference is when you're like, well, doesn't, no, no, doesn't bother me, don't really care what happens to other people. That feels sort of semi-easy and good in the moment, but over time it just breaks you down. So you become more and more actually broken. The old life always kills you, always breaks you down. Actually, this is way better. And Paul's trying to describe something which is much more awesome than hanging on to the old. So he's not giving it to us as some kind of like, do this as a, as a big rule, and if you don't do it, you're bad. He's like, no, this new life is way, way more awesome. Being filled with the Spirit of God and compassion actually is way, way more uh, better, life-giving. It's full of the life of God. Having a kindness is way, way better than just being a harsh person. Even in moments, kind moments are way better than harsh moments. Anyone ever been involved in a harsh moment, giving or receiving? Anyone ever been involved in a kind moment, giving or receiving? Which is better? It's so cool. And so Paul's saying, this, you guys have got the new life. Put it on. Enjoy it. It's way better. Humility. Put it on. It's way better than pride. I know best. I have to be first. I have, my voice must be the loudest. It's draining. 
meekness versus self-importance. Patience versus panic. Patience is way better than panic. Panic, the sense that I need to make everything happen. Whereas patience is, brings the peace of God. So Paul's describing this thing. I hope you're hearing how awesome it is. Why wouldn't you want to put all this on? It's like a sweet jacket, like we saw Tom. Got the upgrade, Tom. <laughs> Got the upgrade. It's way, way better. And so I want to encourage you, um, as comfortable as the old feels, as comfortable as the easy as the old is, put on the new, Paul says. It's way, way better. It's way, way better. Put on love. Put on love. You know, uh, Levi, my son, started a soccer thing this week, and he got a new soccer outfit. So we went there on Thursday, and he got a new soccer outfit, white pants, white, yeah, whole thing, boots, the whole, he was so pumped. We got home, this new outfit, he was, he was loving it. He put it out on the floor in the center of the room, stayed there for two days, just like, check it out, people, look what I, it was so much better than, I don't know what his old soccer outfit, he's just, it was the best outfit he's ever had. That's what the new life is like. It's like, wow, I get this? And Levi was like, and then he went to school, and he's like, this can't stay on the floor. I'm hiding it on the bed so no one else can destroy it. <laughs> he has brothers and sisters. <laughs> this is, and so he's, he's so concerned about this new outfit that, one, he, he wants, he's, it's, honor, it's got the place of honor in his room. He's like, this is the most, th- I've got to put this on. And then two, I don't want anyone to rob me of this. Like, I don't want, I don't want anyone to, like, steal it. I'm going to, I know when I'm out, someone might steal it. So I'm going to put it up here and protect it. And that, can you imagine, that's what, like, protecting, like, the new life is so much more precious than that. In fact, Levi went a step further. On Saturday morning, he woke up. We don't have soccer on Saturdays. He put on his whole new outfit. And he's walking around the house, like, check it out, people. My new outfit. This is, this, this has got it going on. And he's loving it. In fact, you know, we went to a party that day and someone was like, Levi, do you play soccer today? No, no, I'm just check out my outfit. This is, this is a great outfit. <laughs> Not playing soccer. The point is when we put on the new life, we, we, if it is awesome, and that's just a soccer outfit, imagine putting on the new life of God, how awesome it is, how amazing it is. People are going to say, are you, are you patient today? Got the new life. <laughs> Why are you so humble? Got the new life. Made some time, honored it, took some time, cleared a space in my room and set it up. Stopped other people trampling on it. I, I went, went and put it in a secret spot, put on the new life. Man, looking good, man, looking good. We can put on the new life, but it does take an effort. It takes a time on our part. It takes a honoring of it. It takes a thinking. It takes a pausing when we're not wearing the new life. To exit, go to our wardrobe, pull out the good stuff, put on the good stuff, come back. Whoa, you ready. You, you seem ready. You're dressed well. You're dressed for a purpose today. So cool. So encouraging. Put on the new life. Paul says in let the, verse 15, let the peace... Of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. So Paul says, You put all this on, best gear ever, best available outfit. You put all in your gun. And he says, Let the peace of Jesus rule 
in your heart. Peace should be our ruler. Peace should be our boss. When peace is gone, we should not know what to do. Um, I'm an employee, I work, and my boss tells me what to do, and I try and do that <laughs> as best I can. And so I have a job. But if the boss is gone, I sometimes don't know what to do. I'm like, well, what are, what, what are the priorities for today? If he hasn't told me already, you know, we're like, we're trying to get this done, we're trying to get that done. Peace is our ruler. When we've lost peace, when we, when we lose the peace of Jesus, that's when we begin to move into harshness, unkindness, pride. We begin to take things into our own hands. We begin to dress ourselves again with the old. Paul says, in order to put on all this new, let the peace of Jesus rule in your hearts. Let that be your boss. When your peace is gone, pause, take a moment to go and be, to find Jesus again and say, Jesus, would you let your peace come back to me? That that peace might rule so that the new self might be put on. He says, for you were called to this in one body. Jesus called us to do this in the body. All the new self happens mostly in the body. He says, you were called to this peace in the body. He says, in, in one body. Amazing. And he says, and be thankful. Be thankful. Don't be complaining, critical, or unhappy, or unimpressed, but put on thankfulness. What a cool, what another cool outfit, right? Better than that jacket. That's my very special jacket, Tom. Sorry. He says, thankfulness. Again, we have this opportunity, and I want to challenge you to take that opportunity to go and find thankfulness and put it on. If you find yourself constantly being, putting on unthankfulness or discontentment, take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because of Jesus, because Jesus has loved you, because you are loved, you have access to the new wardrobe. You're in. You don't need to find the key. You have it. The Holy Spirit is available to you to help you to put on the new wardrobe. And so... I want to encourage you to put on thankfulness more and more. Verse 16, we, we hear Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. All of this happens by Jesus dwelling in us richly. So Paul circles back to this idea. He says, you are loved by God. You are in his family. You are beloved and you've been made holy. I want you to put on all these great things that are available to you, all the best, the best gear, which is yours in Jesus. But I want you to know that you need the word of Jesus to dwell in you richly. That word there says, let the word of Christ is the word logos. And in John chapter 1, it's used in the opening of John chapter 1 to describe Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the logos, was Jesus and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. It says, and all things were made through him, and all things were made for him. So it describes this amazing person of Jesus, the Logos, that Jesus is. And he, Jesus, was the life of the world. Life comes through Jesus. Life comes by the indwelling of Jesus. The putting on of the new comes by the indwelling of Jesus, by Jesus with us. He says, I want the word of Christ, I want the Logos to dwell in you so richly. Paul says, that's how this happens. Jesus in us, the Logos. And he says that Jesus is the life of the world. And he says, Jesus is also the light that shines into the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. That is how you overcome darkness. That is how you overcome the old self. 
is you allow the light of Jesus to shine in. He says, I want the word of Jesus, I want Jesus to dwell in you greatly. So good. So good. That's how we get the new life. <laughs> there's, a, there's a movie where these guys are performing a heist, big robbery, and the one guy's sitting in the airplane terminal hacking something, and they get the, he gets the millions of dollars, and he shouts out, Woohoo! Yeah! And everyone in the whole airport looks at him, and he doesn't know what to say, so I think tongue-in-cheek, it's a movie, right? He just says, Got the Holy Spirit! <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh, yeah. Well, uh, carry on, you know, so he hasn't been found out what he's doing. <laughs> That's how, he's just this pure excitement, and his kind of response was, it's because I've got God. And there's a, there's a great truth in there, actually. The life of God that is only comes by the Holy Spirit, only comes when the Word of Jesus dwells in us richly. And so, Jesus, we want to be more and more like you. We want the new life. We want to be filled with God. I want to encourage you, put on the new self. When, you, when you're full of Jesus, then you can do the next part of that verse, which is teach and admonish one another. Then you can instruct others when you're full of Jesus. If you're not full of Jesus and, the, and you haven't put on love, don't bother. <laughs> you can be 100% correct but completely wrong. Fill yourself with Jesus. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it, which means we can also let it not. Do you hear that? Let, it, let the Word of Christ dwell in you, which means you can also not let it. You can do other things. You can put on other things. So Paul's encouraged, again, let us do this. Let us do this. And then he says, something else will happen when you dwell together. Something happens in our corporate gatherings. When we, when we are joined together, something of a transformation occurs that we become more like Jesus when we do this together. Because he, he goes on and he says, we teach and admonish one another. And then he says, when we sing together. I know that worship isn't just singing. I, th I think most people know that. But there's something powerful about singing together. Paul says, when you sing together, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Psalms is the Scriptures. So when we sing together, we sing what the Scriptures say. We sing what's in the Scriptures. He said, sing hymns, which is things that people have written, songs that the saints have written that adore God. We sing what others have written to adore God. Then he says, and sing spiritual songs. When we sing, there's something spiritual taking place. There's something going on. Jesus said, worship happens in spirit and in truth. What does he mean? He says, you've got to sing truth. You need to sing to Jesus, adore him, exclaim who he is. But in the spirit as well, he's saying something is happening, transformative, where the Holy Spirit is shaping us. When we sing together, I want, I want to encourage you, when we sing together, open your heart to God. Sing hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs where your spirit is open to God. And you're saying, God, I want you to transform me this morning as we, as we do this together, as we sing about the word of Jesus, as we're transformed. Singing. Who sings? Who's Paul writing to? Everyone. So those of you who don't sing on Sunday mornings, please help Kay and the team out. Please sing very loud. I'm just kidding. This church sings wonderfully. Often when I'm leading, I'll step back from the mic and just let you guys sing. You've probably noticed. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say, you know, worship leaders sing. It says all of us sing together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and sing together. 
And so it's not my responsibility or the team's responsibility to sing. It's our responsibility. And so I want to almost every song just back off and let us as a church do what Paul says. Sing together. Sing to Jesus. Let the Spirit of God come in and transform us. Let us, the Spirit of God, come in and take off the old and put on the new. We sing to Jesus. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And then again he says, with thankfulness in your hearts. When we worship, can we put on real thankfulness? Or is it something that we're just mouthing words? Is there something in our hearts which is adoring Jesus? You don't, you, 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 I don't think you can be filled with Jesus by just playing lip service, by ignoring him, by not engaging with him. Jesus has to become our most beautiful thing. We worship and adore him. We actually know him. We actually love him. We adore him with thankfulness in our hearts, something that is real. So Paul says, this is how it happens. This is how you put on the new. You'd be filled with Jesus from a real heart of thankfulness towards him and worship with him within community as we teach and admonish each other. Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Every word we speak, everything we do, we want to be putting on the new. Everything we do, we do in Jesus. Put on, putting on the new. And he says, do it all giving thanks. It's now the third time he's said that, give thanks, in, in five verses. In fact, in the last two verses, I think he says it three times, give thanks. Paul's really encouraging us to put on thankfulness as, as such a great um, item of clothing. It's, I don't know, what's, what's the coolest item of, item of clothing? Love, but thankfulness is right up there. Shoes, some sweet shoes of thankfulness. He's just saying, put it on, put it on, put it on, put on thankfulness. I want to challenge you to put on thankfulness, to put on the new, and to draw on Jesus to do it. I honestly believe the Holy Spirit will change our lives. I think for some of us who've been walking with Jesus for many years, this can be a uh, a greater struggle because we're so used to wearing the old and we kind of have this idea that the old will just always be there we just have grown to accept it I want to challenge you this morning like Paul does to take hold of the new as often as you can step aside from the old get to your closet and say Jesus I need a new outfit I need it today I want to challenge us who have been walking with Jesus for many years to put on thankfulness afresh, to put on a fresh humility, to put on a fresh compassion and kindness. Jesus himself is the embodiment of all these things. Jesus' great compassion for me is what shapes my compassion for others. His great kindness towards me enables me to be kind. I wonder if you ever thought of how kind Jesus has been to you. How humble he was to empty himself of, of his perfection, of his godliness, to take on our form. How patient he's been. How patient he has been. That is how we are be able to be patient with others, kind to others, by considering how awesome Jesus is towards us. It makes it easier to set aside 
our own brokenness and humility. Because actually, who I am is not actually that great. <laughs> it's quite easy to set aside when you look at Jesus. And all this happens that we might receive the life of God. When uh, John describes Jesus in that opening chapter of 1 John, he says, He is the life that came into the world. When we put on all these new things, actually we are filled with the life of God. I, I would love that. I would love to be more like Jesus, to be more filled with his life. And it really is much, much better.